thrive, flourish, unleash your buried treasure. This is the Exponentially Empowered Podcast with Joel Bine. Through conscious action and authentic self-connection, empower yourself to write your own script. So I'm with Russ Olfner, my good friend. We are here in person in New Orleans, Louisiana, outside, enjoying some cigars, some cashews, and we're going to riff. We're going to riff on philosophy and personal growth, personal empowerment, all the things. Doing it live. Live. <laughs> live for us, not for the podcast audience. True. But <laughs> we're outside, and if you hear <clears throat> extra noises, that's why. But yeah, we're, we're going to riff and kind of let things unfold quasi-Joe Rogan style. But Russ is a deep thinker. He is on board with what I've been saying so often on this podcast about education, personal empowerment, free thinking, all that good stuff. And he's a regular listener to the show. Very, very grateful for that. So... Russ, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. <laughs> this is cool. Glad to be here with you. So, we were talking yesterday about Jordan Peterson a bit and how so many people underestimate the power of personal change in order to change the world. And... We have we have some uh, agreement from the dog next door. <laughs> yeah, so there's almost this mindset across the culture of we need to make sweeping change, but through legislation or movements, but it's underestimated how much change can happen in the culture through individual empowerment. Starting with your own bedroom, clean your own bedroom, as Jordan Peterson says. Sort out your own life, take care of yourself, then maybe your relationships, then maybe your community, then the world at large. So you're a man of personal responsibility. You got a wife, you got a young daughter, you're building up your personal mindset your habits you work on yourself you know that's value that we share together so mm -hmm. just curious to hear what comes up for you when I say that and how you're looking at that concept of taking care of your own business first as a way to build a healthier happier freer world mm. Yeah, I mean, 
to reiterate what you just said, you want to build a healthier, happier, freer world. If that's what you want the outer world to look like, that's what your inner world has to look like. So, I feel like I've been doing well for a long time on physical health. Um, you know, the situations I've been in in the past 15 years, being in the band I was in for a very long time, towards the end there, I think I was unhappy, and that was like spilling over into the rest of my life. And that's recently been improving a lot through, you know, Jordan Peterson, through, you know, podcasts like yours, and um, I remember reading uh, The Four Agreements, um, so yeah, you, you focused on the physical health, and, you know, your wife is a nutritionist, and, yeah, so I was getting a lot of help with that, <laughs> taking care of that vessel, first mm-hmm. and foremost, and then, now you're, you, you've been building on top of that, yeah, with, the inner world and I love what you said about it's really really beautiful it can be beautiful sometimes <laughs> like what what vision do you have for the world okay mm-hmm. and then start with your own mind like we want world, world peace starts with inner peace yeah and it's really clear to me but it's it's incredible how that's so rare. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get, they'll get like the physical health wrong yeah. and lacking the other way. So they'll get the mental health, I mean, correct. They'll get the physical health right and lack in other ways. They'll get the mental health right and lack in other ways. Or maybe they get two and they're missing one. Or they get know. economics or, but they're in politics, but they're not working on their own lives. Mm-hmm. Their relationships are out of sort, but they're... They're really smart. You know, it was like... Here's another trinity. <laughs> Health, happiness, and freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It's very... A lot of trinities that have meant a lot to me in the recent past and in the long past. Yeah, so sorting out your life means every area of life. Mm-hmm. Start with one area, like you were starting with physical. That's a common one. And build off of it and don't underestimate how much you can accomplish in 10 years, for example. Yeah, 10 years is a long time. If, if you are, I mean, the people listening to this show probably are already on that path if they've listened to almost 50 episodes at this point. But maybe, so maybe you have one or two areas going for you and keep building, you know? start with physical or financial health or professional happiness relationship happiness and then all the psychological integration and healing you know pick one pick one that's calling you you know some people say I remember years ago listening to the voluntary life podcast with Jake DeSillis and he was talking about this concept of is it best to work on your 
professional life and getting your finances set first or do you need to work on personal growth and therapy and taking care of the inner world and Hughes is basically like it doesn't matter pick one and and build it up He, he chose financial health he really focused a lot on building his business in his 30s and then kind of then sort of added in I think more of the therapeutic side the mental health personal development for me it was more I spent my 20s on personal development philosophy psychology personal growth and then that eventually got me in this past this past year to, to align my professional goals so that's all to say like all these elements work together and just start with one category maybe mm-hmm. and over time you keep chiseling away and you can be really a flourishing individual and that can have a huge impact on the people around you and it's, and the spheres of the spheres of influence beyond that you know mm-hmm. yeah I mean I've heard things like what's the it's like a name for a number like meaningful relationships that you can have like the most meaningful relationships you can have like you tap out after a certain Dunbar's number maybe 150 yeah maybe it's 150 yeah so it's like with that in mind say you you maximize that and you have 150 meaningful relationships and if all 150 of those people have 150 meaningful relationships it's like you're only you know what is, is that one two people away one person away from being able to like you're only one person away from over a thousand people yeah like you're you're almost immediate influence you know like if something huge happened to you that like everyone wanted to talk about for whatever reason and you told all 150 of your friends and they all started telling everyone they know it's like going back to that 10% of the population moving yeah. in a healthier, freer direction. It's like, that's, I think it, that number works because like 10% of the people are only 1% away from, <laughs> I don't know what that percent comes out to, like do the math. <laughs> yeah, the point is it can snowball. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got like a light, like some chills just now. About when you we're talking about ten percent, and what we're referring to is if ten percent of our culture can begin to integrate these ideas of a voluntary world, voluntary, yeah, voluntarism, a world without government coercion, a world without domination, and these institutions of conventional top-down parenting conventional course of schooling compulsory compulsory schooling etc that can snow if we get to 10 percent can start understanding that taxation is coercion that this is all based in these dynamics from childhood of uh, of, of domination of top down of mm-hmm. command and control of obedience etc fear if we can heal 
and from the psychological side and, and then get clarity in the philosophical side and the economic side well that's that's volunteerism essentially a vision for a world of win-win compassionate interactions respecting the principle of self-ownership right now the number of people in this planet who understand this not only the economics but also the personal psychological element that contributes to 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 everything and if that's can, a very small number but yeah. like we can slowly get that fire going mm-hmm. and then if that can get to 1% of the population then that can get to 2% Maybe and and things can move fast and with the speed of information and mm-hmm. who should say in twenty forty there's not five percent like who like yeah and we start where we are like who what how can we build a better world for our great great grandchildren yeah. like how meaningful is that to right. say we're gonna we're gonna be pioneers of a voluntary world mm-hmm. that's that's beautiful and that gives your own life meaning and mm-hmm. you know yeah and it can it ties back into if you um, if you don't like or if you disagree with the way culture is being manipulated right now or pushed or you know more of the collectivist ideologies yeah. If you look at where those began, I mean, they began 100 years ago or more. You know, the Frankfurt School and all the that style of Marxism started coming out into our Western culture, well, really the world. But you know, look what it's look what it's come to. You see the whole thing playing out, and it's like in the same way, a group of people having these conversations going over the ideas again and again philosophizing and having healthy disagreements with people that produce better results and better ideas I mean that all like you're saying it it compounds over time and yeah we might not see the the results at the end of our lives but it's a generational thing where you know, we raise kids and we treat them with respect and autonomy and let them direct their life more, maybe completely, I don't know. And uh, and then, yeah, then they do the same with their kids and so on and so on. And so, yeah, it's playing the long game. The ultra long game. <laughs> it's and, hard. And being okay with... Because I've had the sentiment before where it's like you realize, you know, whatever truths you've come to know, and you're like, man, I want to, I want to tell everyone, and I want to change the world, and I want to have a massive influence, and you like, you want to be this like enormous figure and have a huge impact, and it's like we can have a huge impact. I think it's, I don't know, speaking of myself, I feel like I've come to a place to where. I guess it's an aspect of humility of like yeah I do have a desire to change the world but I'm I'm okay with not 
you know, having that stereotypical, like, superhero change the world result. Like, I know now that if I, if I change myself and treat my immediate family with, with these voluntarist ideas and philosophies and nonviolent communication and, you know, ultimate respect for the individual even to my child it's like or to the child I'm raising (laughs) trying to get past some possessive things that have been coming up lately Um, then yeah I'm, I'm like I will be and I am satisfied doing exactly what I'm doing with just my family because I feel as if the you know like the world is made up of families you know this global population that we've been talking about trying to influence 10% and massive changes over time like it starts in each individual family right when a family is one of the things that's you know really struggling right now for multiple reasons family most families in their culture what do you mean I guess I'm I, 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 I can refer specifically to like American families yeah yeah you know like there's I don't know between like technological distraction a lack of um, a lack of conversation revolved revolving around personal growth yeah there's a lot of and then all the different cultural things that are happening that seem to be making it harder for families to stay together. And, you know, schooling, it's like the school just, maybe it's not the, true for everyone, but the way I see it, it just drives a wedge into the family that like constantly has to be overcome. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Because it dictates so much of the family dynamic it's like alright wake up when you don't want to wake up and go somewhere you don't want to go and fill your schedule with all these extracurricular activities and and things that uh, while they may there's some benefit to them I think that sometimes like a, a balance is lacking in the family dynamic where they don't prioritize themselves and it's like grades academics jobs social stuff family doesn't become a priority you know I remember hearing I think it was Brett talking about one time how the school like infects the family and it's like the week is so busy it's busy 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 and no one's connecting and and then the weekend comes and like the dad and the mom want to have you know an intimate family weekend like because they only have a certain amount of time yeah, to do it and there's that. all this pressure to like alright we gotta make the most of this Scheduling family time. Our time for bonding <laughs> and then there's all the things that haven't been worked out throughout the week because they've they lose connection during the week and then there's all this pressure to maximize the time together over the weekend and then you have less than optimal family experiences and over time that just degrades the unity of the family so yeah, again, a lot of it comes back to school. And then another thought I had on uh, with freedom, it's like, 
and the voluntarist ideas, it's like if you we want freedom, like everybody wants freedom, outer freedom, physical, like the world freedom, you know, like taxation, no more coercion, voluntary relationship, freedom. We need to have like personal freedom. Like we've been discovering recently, like trauma is, I feel something that prevents us from being mentally free. You know, we're enslaved to the things we hold on to and the emotions we don't deal with and the trauma that we don't face and recognize and love it and let it go. Like those things keep us from being externally free. Yeah, so it all goes back to the, in, the individual because a healthy family starts with healthy individuals leading that family but yeah the family is a core unit of society and there's a lot of families that are not cultivating nourishing interactions and a lot of that's <clears throat> disassociation from one's own trauma, parents disassociating from their own trauma, their own schooling, their own childhood experiences, and then unconsciously passing that on. Exactly. You don't deal with your own trauma, and then the trauma lives on. Yeah, and then... You take it out on your next generation. Send the kids to school, and it gets exacerbated with what you just mentioned, and the parents become... Uh, enforcers, right, for the the homework and the grades, and it really disrupts the ability to have just loving relationships with the child because you're trying to compel the child to follow through on these behaviors. What's the opportunity cost? Let alone the damage that's done from all the force at play to do the homework and all that. The opportunity cost. What could you be doing with your child? Yeah. How could you be act, interacting with your child? Which is why it's so like unschooling and home education can be so wonderful. There's so much freedom and everyone can let go. You can let go of all this bullshit. Of this this strife. The wake up in the morning. Forcing the kid to wake up at a certain time, and you know, the list goes on and on. So, a lot of families are are kind of in that cycle, in that culture, and then you add on like a financial system that's a financial system that's backwards. And <laughs> currency is <clears throat> what is currency? Inflated and. <laughs> <laughs> the currency is inflated and people are losing value on their savings and they don't have savings there's a lot of families like that um, so but we you know we're saying all this to, in order to say the truth about what's happening but we're not saying it from a place of judgment I would say of, yeah of blame and shame but actually 
we can offer a lot of compassion for the situations many many individuals, adults, children, families are in. And so, by sort of taking this red pill, seeing the truth of the culture, being courageous to see the truth of your own childhood, the, you know, the, the dark, you know, the sort of richest red pill yeah. is seeing that your, your relationship to authority as a child is the seed of the entire political apparatus. That takes a lot of courage to look at that truth. If you can do that, then you can be this beacon of light for others who might not have done that yet or might be feeling overwhelmed mm -hmm. to do that. And so I'm hoping with this podcast this can this can start to get out and people start having the courage and to to hug the cactus right hug and the cactus of resistance just look at the truth with self-compassion without guilt without shoulds and shouldn'ts mm -hmm. then build yourself up right work on the personal growth work on sorting yourself out in all the areas of life and the best thing you can do for any other person is to work on yourself. Mm -hmm. It's the best thing you can do for other people is to work on yourself. I'm, I'm seeing it as I continue to grow and I can simply just standing next to other people in a social situation and conversation and feeling more, more and more and more grounded and integrated and comfortable in my own skin mm -hmm. through the self work not only just psychological but all the areas of life and like know that I've been continually investing in myself you see the results mm -hmm. and you realize I'm I'm available to give and that's like the, for me I, I know yeah. in my now I'm you know, my in my early thirties, my twenties were so much about getting my own oxygen mask, oxygen mask on. Mm -hmm. And now, as I've sort of got that flowing, that my next level of self actualization is making an impact on other people, mm -hmm. and that's a need as well, right? To contribute to other people, but you can't contribute if you haven't worked on yourself, right? You can't contribute in this way. You know, if you're coming across these ideas for the first time. And you haven't really done, you know, the self-esteem building, the the therapeutic experiences, the journaling. Just start there. Just start mm -hmm. with where you are. There's yeah. no need to go reach outside and say I got to fix the world. And it's really it's more and more tempting these days. Yeah, you're like, holy crap! The world's closing in on us. You know, there's all this nonsense and just no matter what's going on like what what's the best alternative what what's the best you can do work within your zone of power yeah yeah if you're treading if you're treading water you can't save anyone who's drowning like if you're barely treading water like learn how to swim <laughs> you know learn how to swim proficiently and you can save a lot of people who are drowning yeah clean your room like learn how to 
get your own world in order and then you can help others get their world in order yeah and that's literal and figurative like exactly you cleaned the whole house yesterday <laughs> I did. you got pumped up <laughs> yeah i was feeling and like, like literally you can engage in you know for me like engaging in the philosophy of minimalism and decluttering my physical objects literally clean your room clean your closet well, that will change how you experience your own world and clean up metaphor metaphorically as well looking in looking in the metaphorical closet um, mm -hmm. of your childhood experience like that can be really hard but you might open that closet door and all this crap falls out yeah. and everything gets gets a lot messier at first that's the nature of yeah, cleaning up that's the nature of cleaning it. up it gets you, in order to clean up literally or figuratively it's gonna get messier at first you gotta yeah. let things fall out and then you reorganize then you declutter you sort it out but it's gonna be like it's gonna be a struggle at first but have yeah. the courage to open the closet door sort out the objects sort out your past experience look at it it's gonna be when we're talking about childhood experience it can be lots of parts that might have been tucked away yeah. might now get triggered and pain comes up like you let this stuff come to the surface because that's the nature of of these defense mechanisms is let's put the adverse childhood experiences these memories let's just tuck them away yeah. in the closet right like like it's like really a good yeah metaphor because that's like the uh you think of like uh the kid who's being told to clean his room and then he just stuffs everything in the closet mm -hmm. yeah and then it kind of looks clean right sucks six things under the bed and you just like glance at it it looks clean but there's this but there's all this crap underneath the surface yeah. and that's what a lot of us do in our culture psychologically where you might have a well-adjusted individual <laughs> and they can they're articulate and functional mm -hmm. maybe even financially successful etc but they've suppressed yeah right so they have this mask on psychological mask on the false self because that true self's been pushed away but if, if you open the closet door and you let the true self out It'll be like weird because you're like all of a sudden you're in this transition mode. What is all this? <laughs> yeah. And it's like really uncomfortable. And like another metaphor is like you're evolving from a being, uh, being a, a creature of the water to a creature of the land. <laughs> you have your gills right in yeah. the in the sea, and you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden you decide to go of, to evolve, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna leave the water okay now you're out on the land you still have gills well that's not comfortable yeah so the process of build, building new lungs yeah turn those gills into lungs but if you can do it yeah go through the that challenge break through then you can be at a whole new level you know yeah again like moving towards the resistance yeah like it's painful to grow new lungs it's painful to have skills and be able to barely breathe oxygen oh i can't but you know as you're transitioning uh yeah you know it's painful but you move towards that pain 
and I have a few things that are popping up. Like uh, recently, I heard like you know moving towards resistance in in light of you know when your body's physically in pain, it's your body telling you like, hey, this needs this part of your body needs to be addressed over here. You know, like headache or stomach ache or you cut yourself, whatever the pain is, it's like your body's like something's going on here. You know, give it some attention, take care of it, and the pain goes away. And the same with mental resistance, like the things that you feel that would make you better and you're resistant to doing them because they're difficult and it's painful. It's like the resistance is the pain. Like the resistance is your mind being like, do this thing and then the resistance goes away once you start doing it and you integrate it. You know, like pain, physical pain is to the body what mental resistance is to your life or some action that you should do and once you do it the resistance goes away just like when you take care of the wound the pain goes away something like that and then I had the perfect analogy I was thinking of cleaning the, the cleaning your room stuff like with me personally I've done this multiple times for different people I've worked for doing construction and carpentry it's like somebody will have a garage or a shop that just gets like full of crap and it's just completely disorganized and like or I have my work trailer and my trailer after a busy week or a certain period of time will just be a complete nightmare just full of stuff unorganized piled up and and I remember doing this for the guys in the past cleaning out their shops it's like for some reason it just clicked like I was like I need to get everything out of the out of the shop out of the garage and then one by one decide where each thing goes and put it all back in. So it was like, yeah, physically opened up the space, took everything out of it. It was a mess. Like there was stuff all over the yard, spread out all over the place, and piles over here and piles over there. And then slowly, bit by bit, you grab one thing, you look at it, you decide what it is, you decide where to put yep. it. You grab another thing, look at it, figure out what it is, decide what its purpose is, put it somewhere. If you do that as well mentally, like that was, that popped in my head. And it's all mental. It's all resilience. Building the mental muscle of resilience. I watched that myself. The linkage where, whether it's going to the gym to lift, do resistance training, right? Or moving through the resistance of the creative process. Or the resistance of minimalism and going through your, your stuff, sorting that out. Or the resistance of having a difficult conversation with somebody. It's yeah. all... That's a big one. It's all the same. It's all the same mental muscle. So, again, start with where you work. If you just focus on physical health to, physical health to start and you start lifting weights or taking cold showers you are now building a mental muscle to build resilience I think there's studies on that like resistance training and resilience and that's going to translate all these elements of life have are symbiotic I mean like getting out of debt was another one for me and having this sort of mindset of I'm going to work 
to build my life up day by day and having that sense of delayed gratification of building that mindset up and then you just keep on moving in different areas of life yeah. so so yeah it's a long freaking game and it's worth playing yeah I mean I feel like I first started listening to Jordan Peterson it must have been in 2015 or 2016 and like I'm I feel like I'm you know there's been progress along the way but I feel like now what three to four years later I'm just now like really starting to integrate and actualize the goals that I became aware of four years ago like taking responsibility for everything I do and everything in my life and making conscious choices and yeah enacting all these things we're talking about now yeah it's totally doable we're not saying people can't do it faster but personally for me three or four years is pretty fast actually when you think about the grand scheme of life and that's the thing it's going back to uh, I said a little while ago about maybe it takes 10 years yeah you know we we uh I think I said this on last week's show but we yeah, I did say this we underestimate what we can do in 10 years and overestimate what we can do in one year mm-hmm. so like three years that's not a long time and you think on the bigger scale like the next 20 years are gonna go by whether you like it or not are you gonna are you gonna regret what you didn't do when you wake up and it's the year 2041 if you're fortunate enough to still be alive which is you know the case statistically the case most people listening will still be alive I think okay let's just grant that you never know it can happen of course and uh but it's gonna be 2041 like what's gonna what's your life gonna be like so what are you doing now for your future self, for your 2041 self? So, yeah. But like Jordan Pearson, like I, I, I did his entire self-authoring suite. I would encourage everyone listening to do, go to selfauthoring.com. It's like 30 bucks and you just get this entire suite. And you, you can write about your past, your present, and your future. Process your past and write, just write about it. Clarify what happened to you. And organize it and then you can create your ideal future and your future authoring I did all that and it completely set me up for where I am now it's like like I was telling you this a little while ago before we started recording like the life situation I've I'm starting to see really come about is exactly what I essentially what I wrote about in my yeah. future authoring um, three, four years ago. And it, it almost chokes me up. It's like, holy crap. I was writing that and I was I was starting from scratch. Like I was I was really thinking really critically about okay, I need to sculpt 
and author, scope my life and author my own script, what am I going to do? That program really just put the sense of personal responsibility to the max. You really write out, what are your goals? What do you specifically want to experience three to five years from now? Write your ideal vision. Now write concrete steps that you're going to take to get there. And I'm seeing many of those results. Not everything, but you don't need to be perfect. Mm-hmm. He even says, do that, do that self-authoring. Do it badly. Do it badly. Yeah. Do it is better. Badly is better than not doing it. Yeah. Um, and you'll just the very act of thinking about it and sitting down is going to help you. And even setting goals, like I feel like you nailed it with your, you know, writing your script like the first time. You know, you're like, this is what I want to do, and then boom, now you're here doing it. I feel like my my case was like I was just kind of. When I did the the past authoring, I, I never finished the future authoring. I um, but I remember, you know, going through this process of journaling and and when I left the band that I was in for fifteen years, like trying to figure out like what am I gonna do next? Where am I going? And you know, I remember saying that I wanted to do a few different things. <laughs> Like I wanted to farm in my backyard. I wanted to be a farmer. We wanted to go live in another country. Um, and like I, I pictured myself doing all these things like really fast, like really soon. And and then moving moving closer to that, none of that worked out. And then I was like, oh, well, I want to be a general contractor and flip houses and maybe even build new houses. And then did one year of general contracting and I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. <laughs> and so now I'm, here I am getting in a better place of seeing the vision moving forward which I feel like is woodworking bettering myself as a uh, bringing Margo up in like a self-directed learning environment and I hope to like move towards farming um, but I guess the point I'm trying to get at it's like even like you were saying do it and do it badly like even in goal setting like you know, some people may never set any goals because they can't pick one of them to set. It's like maybe just just be like, I think I would like to do that. That sounds like it would fit into my life and then try doing it. And then it may or may not work out. That was one of the lessons in The Way of the Superior Man. He was like, we have this idea of like one day things will be different. And, you know, you have all these dreams and desires. And if you never do anything to actualize any of those dreams or desires and they just stay dreams and desires in your mind then you start to become this false representation of yourself like they just stay dreams and desires they're just fantasies but that's not actually what you are because you're not doing it and in doing it you may realize that those dreams and desires that you have aren't what you really want to do but you won't ever know that it's what you don't want to do if you don't try to do it So, like, I can even point this finger at myself with farming. Like, I've been saying for years that I want to farm and that I want to grow things. And, I'll, you know, I could see myself being a farmer and I'm having conversations about it and, like, watching videos and starting to read books. But I'm, I haven't even planted anything in my own backyard. So <laughs> I could easily apply this advice to myself. It's like, 
maybe I start growing things in my backyard and it's like, I'm really not enjoying this. This isn't what I want to do. But I won't ever know that until I actually start to do it. (laughs) My hope is that I'll like doing it, but what if I don't? Which has been the case with other things. But you got to take the the next actionable step towards it to figure out if that's... Yeah, there's only so much you you can get from meditation in the sense of thinking about what you want to do. Go take imperfect action and you'll learn a lot more by getting feedback from the experience. So... Well, I'm curious. I wanted to touch on the realm of psychedelics for a bit here in this last portion of the conversation. Um, Man, there's so much power in intentionally engaging in these plant compounds such as psilocybin mushrooms which we had the fortune of engaging in recently and having profound experiences to further integrate and heal and it's experience that really the set and setting is everything and if you haven't experienced this yet that's a non-negotiable I would say is to cultivate a setting with people that you trust that are on the path with someone who's done it before etc and having specific intentions for what you want to work out what you want to sort out what you want to heal or integrate process so that's definitely the number one prerequisite but if you have that set and setting wow having engaged in a few different experiences over the past 12 months I've really seen so many breakthroughs and calcification of Healthy, healthy calcification of of the internal world, um, and like the solidifying of ideas and confidence. Yeah, solidifying of a lot of the work I'd done with the journaling, the sentence completion exercises, and the philosophy. Really, the the compounds, the the, the plants can help us. Uh, sort of accentuate all that work you know there's there's studies coming out like Johns Hopkins and on psilocybin about people having the, the, the experience is one of the best experiences of their lives there's a thing, I think the statistics are 80% of people said the experience was a top 5 in their life yeah. 50% said it was the most profound experience of their life. And depression become getting eradicated quickly. So there's a lot of actually quick 
it's not a quick fix. It, it, it takes the work. The, the mushroom is going to lead you through yeah. some challenging territory, potentially. Uh, but there is, in terms of time, it can be something that is a catalyst or something that really um, moves moves the process forward. Yeah. Rather than simply just kind of gen- generic talk therapy, right, which is helpful, what we really want to do is not only talk about it, but to 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 process and feel the feelings and let go of the feelings and I mean um, mushrooms is really what's that's what mushrooms does is gets you into the emotional realm I think yeah There's, uh, so yeah I mean I, I so in this most recent experience and I'm curious to hear more what you might want to share on the topic but just I, I set an intention for processing anger that I knew was suppressed and repressed from from childhood from teenage years as I learned to become sort of a, a people pleaser and thinking developing beliefs that oh uh, anger is bad or anger isn't ever constructive or I need to be a nice person and likable, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to be chill, right? I mm-hmm. became very chill and kind of suppressed and Almost repressed. passive. Yeah. Yeah, and I also watched my father be very passive. So I kind of had all this going on and I knew... I've just this past six twelve months, I've realized like this. Oh, but this is something that needs attention. Yeah. And so this this most recent trip, I really set a very clear attention with that. And then I was roaring. <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> I was literally, literally like letting myself roar. And uh, feel the anger feel the anger we realize I realized that you can't let go of anger if you haven't picked it up first right so it was repressed you can't just get rid of it you need to feel it first yeah so I allowed myself to feel it so anyway that this is an example of like a breakthrough for me and realizing that anger is not just bad like yeah you you want to communicate effectively and constructively but the anger was was there for a reason mm-hmm. and it was seeking to get a need met and I realized that strength is part of love so I wrote that down <laughs> during the experience I was like it's good what did I say like strength is good strength it's strength is good it's part of love yeah so I was just like it was it was healing this masculine energy that had sort of been subdued over over much of my life. And I and, it, and it's something that's just immediately I've seen results. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the, the beauty of something like psilocybin. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
Yeah, and I even when you are with trusting people and everyone is truly expressing themselves and and you're all like not all the time, but there's moments when you're you're going through things together. Like when you were expressing those things and going through that, you know, I was in the room and feeling that at the same time. You know, like I also felt your strength and I heard you say strength is good it's part of love like and that rings true with me as well so in a way you know we're able to benefit from each other's work while you're in the ceremony yeah that was really cool yeah and I felt that around around you guys uh that like receiving my energy yeah and you validating it. Mm-hmm. And again, ha- growing up with a father who was not healthfully self-asserting and demonstrating healthy masculinity, that was that's something that's been deficient for me. And around the two of you in that experience, right, I respect you. In, in the masculine energy that you both of you mm-hmm. bring and then you validated my roars <laughs> yeah <laughs> so much power certainly a shame that it's not ubiquitous in the culture these experiences but I hope that they can be in this coming decades mm-hmm. and you're seeing some of these going you know, going through tri- clinical trials and they're on the, I know, like MDMA is on the brink of of legalization and well, meanwhile, we have just alcohols left and right mm-hmm. in our culture to numb numb these childhood experiences, basically. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is all over the place. Yeah, like we said in the car, we hit traffic on, yeah. the, on the way to our friend's house. And Joel looks around and you say, look at all these cars filled with people. How many of them are going to do mushrooms tonight? <laughs> 70% of them are probably drinking alcohol tonight. Yeah, 70% are going to be frustrated about having sat in traffic and go... Get a bottle of wine. It's like, what if we were talking about these ideas spreading throughout society? It's like, what if it was a real thing, like a realization, like you look around and you see other people and you know, like, you know, half of these people around me or at least 10% of these people around me are going to do some personal growth tonight. (laughs) Yeah. And that goes back to what we're saying about it's really, really small number right now who's on the path of personal growth in this deep profound way to when I say that I mean with the specific vision of I'm going to heal in order to raise the next generation in a healthier way in order to build a voluntary society exactly yeah (laughs) and making the connection between childhood experiences and the macroeconomical Macro political, 
structure of the world. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> so it's those people who are seeking personal growth who don't understand the economic vision. Now that's okay. It's still beneficial. But the whole, I think the ideal is to un, is really clearly see the economics of a voluntary society looking at, you know, reading some, you know, someone like Murray Rothbard and his economics books about uh, anarchist world and how it can function and integrating that with understanding the reason we're not there is because of our entire species history, to be frank, mm-hmm. is built on some type of coercion. Even the, the tribal societies, while there are many benefits many tri- tribal societies had in close bonds and better physical health and less, you know, less, less of the isolation that you see in the modern world and more maybe more leisure time or play time you still had a lack of autonomy mm-hmm. and individual thinking a lack of engagement of the neocortex rather than the back part of the brain that's that's the biological programming so you had a sort of coerced altruism it's referred to yeah coerced altruism where like, people are contributing to the the groups the group's needs and then you get that then you get something back in return as well but if you try to break any of these cultural mores and try to think independently you're going to be ostracized right Mm -hmm. and threatened or whatever so what we want to do is evolve as humans engage the neocortex and our capacity to think and make sense in a reasonable way of, of the world and to construct the world based on logic and compassion and respect, choice, autonomy, freedom. Mm-hmm. So, not maybe, sure how I got in that path, but well, maybe, I was just saying that there's very few people who are really understanding the vision here yeah. in the personal growth. So I hope more and more people can see those connections and then work on yourself do the psychedelic experiences do the personal growth to improve your own life to have higher levels of wellness and that can contribute to this beautiful vision yeah we can be the pioneers for generations from now or we can raise our children in a healthier way because we have released and We've healed the triggers inside of us, right? Mm-hmm. We can become as trigger-free as possible, yeah. so that when we when we see our child, we can act and interact in a conscious way. Yeah. Yeah, not be reacting through the filter of our past trauma. Yeah, and that is an and it's, that is just nervous system wiring. What I've realized. It sort of doesn't matter how much you understand the principles of peaceful parenting or whatever the case may be about how you want to treat a child. 
you need to do the inner work that heals the nervous system so that you aren't automatically mm-hmm. reacting. And I've done that in my experiences working with kids in the, in the K-12 system, having all my philosophies pretty much clarified about education and raising children, but working in this toxic, toxic environment and then still having so much that needed to be healed where I would react to kids. Right. Even though I didn't want to. And this is actually really common for parents is doing things they regret. Oh, I I didn't want to do that. And all of a sudden I was acting, as Dan Siegel calls it, in, in Parenting from the Inside Out, he calls it going traveling the low road where you just kind of lose engagement with the neocortex, the front part of the brain, and you go into this other side of you that's just reenacting your own trauma. And then you feel that regret later. And so it's key to have the philosophies to to respect children or whatnot. Um... Yeah, it's like what we, what we want to do is, is just heal, is, is literally engage, engage in the therapeutic experiences in order to process the emotions and let go of limiting beliefs and, and integrate so that, again, you become as trigger-free, po- as trigger-free as possible. Yeah, and another thing Dan Siegel said that relates to that exactly is he was given the example, I'm reading like the whole brain child is that what's called the whole brain child and um yeah he gave example of like a kid who's you know a 13 year old like just you know a teenager and he's afraid of the water and he's like very resistant to going to a pool or going to learn how to swim or going to take swim lessons with his kids and his and his family i mean with his uh, brothers and sisters and his family and he's having like these meltdowns and you know being being very much like get in a depressed, quiet mood whenever it comes up, and the parents realize that he's acting that way because of an experience he had when he was a kid, and he had his first swim teacher like threw him in the pool before he he knew how to swim, you know, like kind of pushed Oof. him too fast, and and he was traumatized from that, and then he had forgotten about that in his teenage years, and it wasn't until his parents were able to. Like, do you remember the time, you know, when, when you, your, do you remember your first swim lesson? I'm like, yeah, and talking the kid through it. Do you remember what happened? Yeah, like, you know, what, well, what, can you tell me what happened? You know, the, the teacher threw me in the pool. I wasn't ready to swim, and, and it scared me. And it was like, and how, and how long ago was that? You know, like, oh, it was whatever it was, five, six years ago. It's like, well, you're older now, and you're stronger now, and this is a different person who's not going to act the same way, you know, and then he realizes why he's afraid of the pool, and then he's like, oh, okay, well, that's the only reason, that was in the past, I can let that go, and I can jump in the pool now, in the same way, like, the psychedelics bring us back, help us see those moments that traumatized us, that we've forgotten about, or are resistant to dealing with, it brings them to the forefront, and then you understand why your nervous system is reacting the way it's reacting. And then you can make the connection between 
the the cause and the effect and then let it go yeah yeah so it's it's both sides of the coin with feeling the feelings that were stuck and repressed and understanding cause and effect and the beliefs that were developed then letting go of the belief so there's this duality that interplays with the head and the heart there so oh that's why I believe this I, I don't yeah. agree with that belief anymore the four agreements like someone tells you something and you believe it and then you take it on <laughs> and then you gotta let yeah. change your you can change your I don't, I don't feel like I don't like the word beliefs but you can change <laughs> yeah how you perceive the yeah. world like you, yeah. you you just automatically create these beliefs based on the circumstances such as you know I'm responsible for other people's feelings or something <laughs> like you might have a belief yeah that it's not safe to talk about to express your own opinion uh, or whatever the case may be there's a, there's a, there's a, a merger there often where you have a traumatic experience and the nervous system gets fight or flight it's programmed fear doesn't think it's safe and then you make a conclusion a belief is formed it's not safe to do x Mm -hmm. you could have just been completely misinterpreting the situation but as a child oftentimes you don't have that Mm -hmm. clarity so yeah you can when you're when you're healing all this there is both sides to be mindful of with the just analysis of cause and effect as well as the emotional processing itself yeah. of the repressed feelings so because it's not either or it's both but yeah the, the past authoring I was going to say the past authoring program from Jordan Peterson was so instrumental for me in the cause and effect side yeah basically you divide your life into seven time periods epochs he calls them you choose you can choose how many you know how long each epoch is and then you write like then you write about like the top eight experiences in each epoch yeah and then you analyze it and how to make you feel how to change the way you view the world yeah you just think about it all and you just write about it and there's so much clarity I mean man I just remember when I finished that past authoring I've had this feeling ever since there's just like this sense of release and just clarity 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 is the best word about how I got to where I am right now Mm -hmm. by simply writing about the cause and effect and so if you're holding on and he even says like if you're just holding on to any experiences that are kind of just swimming around your subconscious, then you need to do this program. <laughs> um, it's that they're not processed. Yeah. So understanding the cause and effect can, can also just help you release the emotions too. Mm-hmm. And actually, and even when I was writing, I often would just like have some emo- emotional nice. releases when you're writing about these things. Perhaps you could say that the the mushrooms are 
or the psychedelic, whatever it is that's your healing modality is, is the loving parent we didn't have. So I guess like yeah. a lot of society in this generation didn't have that parent who was conscious enough to realize why the child was acting a certain way or actively creating trauma for the child, you know. So now here we are, you know, amongst a society of injured people with undealt trauma that didn't have loving parents who weren't enacting domination systems on them and helping them heal their trauma. And then you go out into life still with all this trauma, perhaps even with your parents' trauma as well. The psychedelic experience is like the loving parent who's walking you through those things, showing you that you are loved, you are worthy of love, you are worthy of your own love, you, you can love yourself, you can deal with these traumas, you can face them and move on. And so, like, if we, if more people right now, adults, are able to heal their trauma with the help of these psychedelic experiences, then they can raise children without the trauma and help their kids through the trauma as it's happening real time. So when they come of age to our age or they're adults and they have kids, like, then then their children can have psychedelic experiences and, you know, like, what kind of healing are they going to do? Like, if they don't have any trauma or yeah, any past it's, issues it's to reduced. deal with, it's been reduced through the generation. So now, and that's that's the evolution of our exactly existence and our conscience. Oh, it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's evolution. Now they're can... having the same powerful experiences, but yeah. they're, they're steps ahead of us right now. Man, I love that insight about the future... The child who grows up to have this, the mushroom experience, because <laughs> yeah, it's all the mushrooms just just opening up to the fact that nature is love, and that's how that's available to us anytime. It's it's just really powerful. You just it's really unbelievable that nature has provided this <laughs> this plant to open us to these truths and so yeah you're making a big dent in your own trauma and then you can parent your child with more health and freedom and then maybe you're not going to be perfect right sure but A you can if you're a conscious parent you can have the humility to take responsibility when you do make a mistake which is huge in and of itself yeah right because you're not because you're not disassociating you know I shared before with you that like what I am most pleased about with like my experience working K through 12 and some of the times that I project, projected my own trauma onto the kids um while I f feel sad and regretful about some of, of, of those experiences, even when I, when I kind of like got into that state of the, the low road, essentially 
every time I had those projections, those experiences, I did take responsibility and I did apologize to the kids. Nice. And I can imagine that that I know it, it had an impact. Often, mm-hmm. just getting that having an adult actually apologize to you. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're on this path and you're making a dent in your own trauma and then you raise your children, you're conscious and you're not going to be 100% trigger-free maybe. It's a process. It's a process. Evolution's a process. <laughs> but yeah, like when those kids, they, those kids might still have a little bit of things to sort out when they grow up. But then least- they take the mushroom and then it's like, they can just like zoom in that much more. That much more, yeah. And then they're that much more trigger free for their kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like our species could could evolve really fast if we like people just get in the right set and setting and with with something like psilocybin mushrooms have just have the courage to start making a dent. Yeah. In the trauma over the course of a few generations, you could just have. So much, but yeah, that's really cool. Reducing societal trauma generation by generation. <laughs> yeah, like that's what so much, so much of the fuel of this podcast. Exponentially empowered. Exponential possibilities over time. If you if you make a dent in your trauma one percent a day. How can that affect your life over 10 years? But then how can that affect the next generation? Yeah. 1% a day for freaking 100 years, 500 years. Mm-hmm. Man, if you're doing 1% a day mindset, you're modeling that for your kids. <laughs> All this trickles down. Just start with 1% a day. 1% a day. No zero days. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you can't have you can you can have some zero days. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're um, not perfect. But that's why I'm such a big proponent of of habits in these realms where you know, do the 5 minutes of journaling every morning and that half an hour of journaling a week, that's yeah, it's like oh, five minutes. I, I that's too much. That so adds I, up. Okay, over one the years. one sentence a morning. Yeah, it adds up over the years. Write down one affirmation a morning. That's how I did the entire self-authoring suite. Yeah, I got in a habit. I would have a daily routine. I'd go work out, and then at like five p.m., I would set a timer for twenty-five minutes and work on the past offering. Sometimes I only had time for five minutes. Yeah. But I essentially didn't miss any days. And I did that pass authoring. I mean, it took me three months to do the pass authoring with that daily routine. Um, Because you're writing a lot. You're writing about 30 years of history. Mm -hmm. Autobiography, essentially. And you're only doing five, 20 minutes a day. You... It's gonna take some time, but three months isn't that much in the biggest picture. Yeah, it really isn't. So that's 
It's, it's like you don't... It can feel daunting to, like, I'm going to write about my past. Totally makes sense if, if that feels daunting. Yeah. That's why you just take a bite of the elephant each day. So... That's always key in this message. Is just take a deep breath. It's you're not going to do everything right away. Especially when you're talking about integrating childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. And that was like the other key <laughs> takeaway from my past this past mushroom trip was like I tend to try to make things happen. Mm-hmm. And the mushrooms just kept telling me to allow things to happen. Mm-hmm. guide rather than grip and I tend to get a little bit over trying to manufacture my experience and that comes from a place of like trying to live consciously engage my volition yeah. but sometimes I squeeze too hard mm. so the m- mushroom kept like reminding me to nature does not hurry yet everything is accomplished yeah don't rush right like look outside your window like we have trees out in this yard here. Like, that tree over there is freaking 100 feet tall. Once upon a time, it was an inch mm-hmm. tall. And it took years to grow 100 feet. Yeah. But it's, it will happen if you do a little bit each day. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. It's just don't, don't think it's too big a project to engage with your childhood trauma yeah and that might be a good segue into I feel like my biggest takeaway the tree the childhood the idea of the the man child the Peter Pan story you know you uh I think I've very much been in this place where I I'm like I'm, I'm afraid to choose to be something. You know, I want to hold on to the, the child that's like limitless possibilities and limitless potential. I know you make the argument we all have limitless potential, but the idea that I don't want to, like I want the ability to be everything. And so this, what it was for me, it was like I think I was holding on to this I, this desire to be everything and go everywhere. And so when I, when I took what I took, which was perhaps too much, but maybe what I needed in the big scheme of things, it was like I just melted into nothing. And I was just, I was out of it. <laughs> I was like, at some point, like there was a two hour window, I think, where I was just basically incoherent. And I came out of it and didn't really realize what happened until the next morning like I experienced being everything and being everywhere and in that I was also nothing and I was nowhere and if if I don't let go of that desire to be everything and be everywhere I'm going to be nothing and I'm going to be I'm going to be nowhere and so that's something that's been a reoccurring theme for me for a long time is like commit to something you know, pick a goal, take actionable steps towards something and and make something of yourself or have a purposeful experience, you know, so you don't just 
melt into the landscape of your surroundings. Yeah, you had a very deep and profound takeaway. That living with purpose, that's that fifth pillar of self-esteem. That's key, is moving forward, having clarity and conviction, pursuing, taking action. And then you'll know, keep you'll keep getting feedback every yeah. time every time you, you move forward, right? You can't you can't just you know healing is not simply. Oftentimes it's meditative, you know it's introspective. It's a huge part of that is. It's also healing just to engage in purpose, yeah. pursue a goal. Let's choose something like you said choose something choose a mission choose an aim create create mm-hmm. is healing create like creating writing blogging podcasting building mm-hmm. organization creating friendships building like engaging in the human experience of creativity yeah is also healing build self esteem so it's not only the pausing to introspect and reflect and he, uh, process emotions and all these elements can can be part of the healing process yeah and, and there's whatever your method is like be a creator as well as a participant like I guess we're all participants by default and then you have to choose to be a creator and I remember clarifying the next morning, I felt like I was in the, what I would call like the infinite or God or whatever it is. Like I was, I was in the infinite and then realized that in order to make something real, you translate the infinite into something real. So I was like getting into all the logo stuff and it was like, I remember writing like we are God's mediators like God is just infinite energy but without us it's like then everything is just infinite and nothing it's just everything and nothing like so through our ability to and I was getting into like definitions of words and yeah. in the words and how like we spell words what is words and cre- <laughs> I was asking all these questions man he was <laughs> What is we're uh, what is a daughter? What is what is my daughter? Yeah, Russ was was going through a was going through something in that experience, and he started questioning every anything y'all would say to me. I would just like be like, "What is that?" And it was like I was seeing the words as as like the base element, like the definition of the word, and how you know, like. We see it in today's world, like words are being redefined or defined in a less clear way, you know, or the the definitions of words are changing or, and I just saw the power of the words we use every day, like 
I remember having a moment when I was saying like, I have a daughter, like my daughter, like she's mine. Like what is, I possess her? Like she's, what is possession? And I was like, well, no. Like, and I said earlier when we were just talking now, like I said, my daughter. And then I was like, well, maybe I should say the child I'm raising or the daughter I'm raising just to, for myself to let go of the possession because it was like the possession is like you love something so much or whatever it is like if you choose to possess it in an unhealthy way or maybe at all if you if you possess something then it then becomes a part of your identity so you're not yeah you're not like truly yourself like you're viewing your identity as being these things you possess as opposed to just being this autonomous individual who's interacting with other things or other people and so being very I was very clear on like I use my language to create the world I live in like everything starts out as words like some form of word like whether it's a thought or an idea or an intuition it's like it you know every invention every technological thing we have every material thing uh, in this world is I don't know if you want to get into like periodic table elements things but (laughs) like the things we've created that just reminds me of school man (laughs) they've all started out as words at some point like the tv on the wall the computer right here like at some point it was an idea in someone's head it was words it was thoughts in someone's head and all those words and thoughts are made up of the definitions that makes those words and thoughts and then those definitions come from what i don't know like Oh, because it was like I was disintegrated and then I reassembled. Yeah. And so it was like I saw like everything in this world, like everything's ability to like disintegrate into the fundamental elements. And then somehow it's assembled into the form that we see it. And then that applies even to our personal lives and our actions every day to where like we take the disintegrated and we assemble it. So in the same way our thoughts our mental attitudes, the work we put in a little bit every day, you're you're taking the infinite and and making it something finite. And you know, while finite might have like a negative connotation, I'm viewing it not as a negative because if if there was just the infinite, then there would just be I don't know, like everything and nothing. It would be the infinite. It wouldn't be without form. Yeah, creativity needs constraint. Yeah. Yeah, so that's you really strip everything down in your experience the mushrooms seem to be teaching you that you needed that clarity. And so to, the, to construct your experience, to have the conviction and the purpose. So you went all the way down to the bare basics of questioning the definitions of all words and concepts and it sounds like you came out with that clarity that oh you that creativity and manifestation of visions is is all up to you you know like it all just starts with thought and and words that are constructed and you can put put that into something with form yeah is that accurate like yes you feel like you have more of a sense of clarity of purpose yeah like that was a lesson to like go ahead and choose this one activity Mm mm-hmm do it yeah because so like my I think (laughs) 
Well, because my intention, one of the intentions I, I had was to revisit a childhood experience, and I, I didn't even go there at all. And and another, this, the other intention I had stated was like, kind of this desire to like see the unseen, you know, and, and I, I remember saying like, I'm open to like what I need to heal, or I'm open to what I need to see, or open to what I need to learn. And And I think what I didn't say was like after having such a powerful experience or the time before that I was like oh I want more like I want to know more I want to feel more I want to realize more I want to I want to feel it all like I want I want more I want more I want more and and I think <laughs> what was given to me was like like we were saying like slow down don't rush it you know you 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 can't know everything at, right now like you can't feel everything it's a process it's it was a humbling experience because it was like you know slow down be methodical um, I'm kind of losing it a little bit but yeah you the mushroom gave the lesson that you needed you were open to it <laughs> And the, the set and setting is so huge. Yeah. I mean, I knew that going into my first ever psychedelic experience, reading about it. Now that I've had a handful, I'm really seeing it, like, literally. Well, the, the setting is huge just to feel, to have that sense of trust and safety and companionship with people around you who are really going to support you in your journey. But then the setting of the intention, like, you're probably going to get back something related to that intention. Because you were saying you you opened it to, to, to seeing things that were unseen. Yeah. And then the mushroom was like, yeah, we got to look at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, like I had the, the clear intention of the anger, integrating the anger, and that that came about right away on the trip. And... And the other intention I had was letting, like, letting go. Yeah. And I also experienced that where throughout the trip I kept having these thoughts where I need to maximize the quality of this trip. <laughs> Again, going back to that thing yeah. about engaging my volition and living super consciously to the point of gripping on too hard. And that, so that was a lesson. So I was like, oh, I got to make sure I journal m- enough on the trip. I got to make sure I listen to the right music. I'm gonna make sure that I have alone time and, and then also support my friends and yeah. this is where like you gotta make the most of the time. Like that's that's <laughs> this part that's been driving me so much over the years mm-hmm. and bringing a lot of benefits, but also bringing costs. Mm-hmm. And so the mushroom, I was like, as I was having that voice come up and throughout much of the trip, I had my higher self say, "Let it happen." Yeah. But trust the process. Mm-hmm. Let it unfold as it unfolds. The very fact that you're on this trip at all is means you're growing. Mm-hmm. Don't need to add more. Mm-hmm. Just let it happen. And so that's been a lesson, and I'm continuing to integrate that in my daily life. And that's that's a key part of these experiences is the integration process afterwards, taking the time to talk the next day and journal the next day and 
Um, yeah, that's a big component of it. Like, yeah, have the experience, have the set and setting, and then almost just I think equally as important as the experience in itself is 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 listening, meditating, whatever it is. Like the next day, like waiting for things to clarify like give yourself space to clarify like the trip's not over after you after you stop tripping and then you go home you go to sleep and then the next day like maybe view it as if like the process of the experience is is the experience itself and then you know a certain period of time afterwards and giving the period of time afterwards as much attention as you did the moment of the ceremony yeah and it doesn't need to and again it's sort of ironically you can let that unfold organically yeah yeah maybe it's not um, just the next morning true yeah I mean be mindful to set aside time to talk and journal or whatnot. but also just as you're going about daily life and you're just in the back of your mind you're kind of integrating and remembering what the lessons were and I think yeah I mean I, I see it as I see it as months yeah you're right and then like weeks to months potentially where you're integrating which is why it could be helpful to space these experiences out maybe another re- recommendation could be revisiting it with the people that you were with in the experience and being able to talk things through because like Matt had a great insight with me I have all these philosophical thoughts and realizations and and new ideas and new things to integrate mentally and he asked me this simple question like yeah that all sounds good so what do you do now Russ (laughs) (laughs) what do you do now like what changes how do you how do you use all of all that all that great philosophical stuff you just said like what does it mean? How do you use it? What do you do? I yeah. Like that, I mean, and yeah, he's always trying to bring it back to that, which is one of his strengths. Definitely. Um, although, you know... I'm not discounting with, the importance with, of the philosophical, but my weakness is being this Vada who's like yeah. in the clouds all the time. Yeah. And, and I struggle to come down and be grounded. And so... Yeah, like realize your weaknesses, surround yourself with people who have the strengths where you are weak and further integration can happen. Yeah. And and <laughs> yes and the particularly the psilocybin mushrooms can simply help you feel better. Yeah. Help you have greater wellness, less Anxiety, depression, depression, and that's good enough. You don't necessarily need to do, be. And I've I've noticed that over this past year, having had, let's see, one, two, three, like half a dozen or so of these experiences. I'm just more. I'm just more integrated than who I am. Like my authenticity yeah, is clarified. Authenticity, yeah. I That's a big me. one of, yeah, just, it just, it's just like, it's just like brain chemistry, like your brain is just integrating and it's not, like integration, what does that mean? I mean, you're, 
you are associating as opposed to disassociating from these memories or whatnot and these feelings and you're bringing together the whole of the brain and as a result there's more authenticity because you're not fragmented yeah what's the opposite of authenticity well it's a false self or protector part or whatnot that's like running the show but when you integrate you're just you more mm-hmm. um, I'm noticing that it's, it's, it's incredible well um, speaking of integration sleep is a really powerful tool <laughs> in the integration process and we're getting towards getting towards bedtime for me at least and so we'll wrap things up but uh man beautiful conversation beautiful conversation indeed appreciate everyone tuning in and hopefully that was valuable to hear us riff on these concepts of sorting out your own life and playing the long game and investing in yourself and having the audacity and courage to dream big for what's possible for humans to build a voluntary world and compassionate world and starting that with your own life and to think about ways to engage in the healing process so thanks for letting the dog as well participate in the conversation (laughs) dear listener I'm sure that our our, uh, our words were so captivating that you didn't even notice yeah. the dog, but um, it added to the show, and we have here the ambiance of humidity the, and the West crickets. Bank of New Orleans, <laughs> little crickets. So thanks, Russ, for for sharing your home with me this week and having really just unending deep conversations and really grateful for our connection I am as well I'm happy you came on the show yeah thanks for having me this is cool 